0: You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network.
1: Welcome to Between the Links. With your host,
0: Mike Heck. Hey, hey, thank you, Esther Lynn, for that terrific introduction. And thank you to all of you for checking out a brand new edition of Between the Links, presented here on MMAFighting.com. I am Mike Heck, the host and moderator of the program. And man, do we have an intriguing match for you this week. We've had... Two events since we last spoke, UFC on ESPN 13 and UFC Fight Island 2. Bellator is back this week, and there's a great event coming up for the UFC on Saturday night, headlined by Robert Whittaker versus Darren Till, a 15-fight card, by the way. But let's talk some MMA, shall we? As always, tough to narrow down the topics, but let us introduce the combatants first. The challenger, making his Between the Links debut, he is the deputy editor for MMAFighting.com. Mr. Stephen Morocco, welcome to the show, Stephen. How are you? Thank you for having me. Happy, uh, happy to be here and ready to do battle. There we go, and you will do battle against the reigning, defending BTL champion, able to dethrone the great James Lynch last week. Can he defeat one of his superiors today? And what happens if he does? Lots of layers here for Alex K. Lee. How are you, sir? I'm
2: happy to be back, Mike. Uh, a lot of controversy after last week. James, of course, a fan favorite, beloved member of the MMA community. And, and and I did not feel a lot of love after defeating him. I felt a little bit like, like my boyfriend, Edgar, after he uh, dethroned BJ Penn. You know, a lot of question marks, despite a unquestionably solid performance on my part. All right, I don't do the judging, all right? I just go in there and I take care of business. So people don't hate on me because uh, I beat James.
0: Look at you, just being a champion and taking all the pressure and just throwing it right upon myself and Judge E. Casey Lydon at the end. But... Let's, let's get into this one. The rules are in the archives. You probably get the show by now, but I will mention that if after four questions, there is a tie, we will go to the knock. One question will decide it all, but let's begin with the brand new UFC flyweight champion, Davis Figueroa, he dominates, finishes Joseph Benavides in the first round on Saturday night at UFC Fight Island two in the main event. It was a terrific performance, especially when you consider everything he had to overcome just to get to the fight. But Steven, let's start with you. You won the draw this week. Figueredo was so, so dominant on Saturday night. You don't see rounds and performances that devastating very often in the flyweight division. So let me ask you, in the overall spectrum of how people view the 125 pound division right now, was Figueredo's win and the way he did it, did it boost the stock of the division as a whole at all? Would you say it did it a little bit, a lot, or not at all?
1: Um. I would say it's pretty neutral. I would say that it's obviously not a bad thing. It's a good thing when you uh, have highlight real knockout uh, wins from your champions, uh, your new champions, as it were. Um, but as to whether it's a good thing in the long run, I'm not sure. Because if, if Davison you know, continues to go on and knock out a bunch of people, if he comes like this tiny, mighty, basically a tiny Mike Tyson, um, that's something that could obviously do a lot of good for the flyweight division uh, which has sort of traditionally been a division that's that's been kind of a loss leader from the for the UFC uh, since its uh, inception so um, I don't I don't think it's a bad thing I think it's a very good start for Davison's reign obviously um, but I think he needs a little bit more time to sort of be built up if he continues to do what he does I think it's going to make it a, a big division but uh, as to whether uh, As to whether it's good long-term, we'll see.
0: AK, what do you think? Uh, uh,
2: When you first asked the question, my thought was not at all, but I am going to lean towards a little. I do think a little. One, just by bringing stability to this division that has needed it with the whole Henry Cejudo situation, which really seemed to drag on for a while, you know, two division uh, champions always seems like a cool thing on paper, but then we face this problem of how often they can defend the belt. And I believe he only defended it once the, uh, the TJ Dillashaw fight. Right. So, uh, so you have that, that situation. Now we have a champion who, yes, he's kind of mentioned wanting to fight in two divisions, but hopefully knows he can stick around in 125 and is able to make that weight. The other thing is, uh, and he has a lot of fresh challengers now, too. The other thing is uh, he's a finisher, which I think Stephen kind of touched upon. And, and this is a good thing because Demetrius Johnson never got credit for that. He was a he he had quite a few finishes during his championship reign. But for some reason, people were stuck on this idea that he was just so dominant but also boring, which is was completely unfair. Uh Figueredo had the reputation of a finisher before this. And then if anyone was watching for the first time, they said, oh, wow, this guy lived up to the hype that I saw. This guy's a finisher of, of the Premier Order. So he might be and, – and Cejudo was also was not a finisher before uh, taking out TJ Dillashaw. So the flyweight division might finally have a guy at the top who can finish fights and bring in some casual interest. So I'll lean towards a little because we are still talking about the flyweights.
0: People watch a lot of MMA like ourselves, and I don't think I speak for every single media member, but – I'm going to speak for myself here. I love the division. Like, much like the women's strawweight division, when you see a flyweight fight on a card, you don't see very many boring fights with these guys in this division. There's some good contenders right now. There's probably three guys at the moment who have an argument to fight for the belt next. You get Alex Perez, you get Brandon Moreno, and you got Askar Askarov. And as someone who enjoys this division, I'm excited for either of these fights, honestly. But, AK, back to you. We sort of touched on this with both of your answers. How do we make the fans care about this division? Like even when, like you said, when Demetrius Johnson was widely considered the best fighter on the planet and was breaking all these records, for some reason, nobody seemed to really care outside of our little bubble here. So what can be done to fix this, I guess, image of the flyweight division?
2: I mean the fastest way is to find a star which is just not something you it's not something you can manufacture you know all the credit in the world to cejudo who you know whatever you think of his personality he did try to create a persona that would be have broad appeal i personally don't think he succeeded and i don't think the numbers uh, back up that he had great success in that regard but he did try and the ufc pushed him accordingly you know with with all of his interviews and quotes they tried to make him up to be a big deal and and it didn't quite land but That's what you need, first of all. What the UFC can control is just keep doing what they're doing and showcasing these guys. I mean, this week we had, what, a co-main event, uh, Tim Elliott and Benoit. We had a main event, for the the vacant title, and we had Pantoja and Askarov uh, leading up the main card. So that was three big flyweight fights getting a a lot of high-profile attention. And just keep doing that, and subtly you people that this division is just as good as any other division, better than some divisions, we should say, and and to, to give them credibility.
0: Steven, to sort of add to that, you made a great point about Figueroa maybe coming like a mini Mike Tyson and just running off all these highlight reel finishes. And that will obviously boost the division because you're going to wonder if somebody can actually stop this man. But on top of that, I feel like we don't know enough about these guys. And I'm I'm, I'm stealing a little bit of shine off of our producer, Casey Lydon. We were talking about this a little bit earlier off air that – Davidson Figueredo is such a fascinating guy. He does more than just fight and nobody knew it until like this past weekend. So what can the UFC do better to make people one, care about the division and two, take it to the next level?
1: Well, they can have him make him sushi. They can do a video of him uh, making sushi, uh, taming bulls or whatever he does on his farm um, and then styling hair, you know, all the things that make him a human and a unique human in the world of fighting. But it's going to take time. It's not. I mean, Anderson Silva wasn't an out of the uh, out of the box star. It took time to build him up as well. Um, you can definitely say that the U.S. being the primary market, it probably helps if he speaks English. So maybe he will learn to speak English, and that'll actually help his his appeal among casual fans. But what casual fans love is uh, are knockouts, uh, knockouts, and a and a personality on top of that. Then you've got a star, and that's just something that that Ak said. You know, it, it doesn't come naturally. Um not everybody's gonna be a star. And if you're not a star, you're gonna have to do the other thing, which is to have really exciting performances. So the UFC's job and ESPN's job is to highlight the, the, the personality behind him and then he's just gotta go in there and deliver in the octagon.
0: AK back to you. Would you consider Demetrius Johnson a star? Like even when he was running rampant in the division and defending the title so many times, was he a star?
2: My, my my bar for star is very high. I think I think in the last like uh, 20 years there have only been like seven or eight true stars. So that's not to say he wasn't successful and he wasn't again a high popular fighter uh, within the MMA community. But for me to be a star, you need either to be in the upper 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 echelon of MMA popularity, or of course like a Rousey, McGregor, the people like that that a uh, Kimbo Slice that broke into the mainstream. So there's there's definitely. Masvidal might be up there, but uh, Demetrius Johnson, it's sadly such a huge part of his narrative that his run with the UFC, for whatever reason, could not just draw that extra level of interest that a dominant champion should.
0: Why do you think that is, Steven? Why do you think he was never really a star? Was it just because every time he fought, you just expected him to roll through his opponent? It just got to the point where, like, uh, Demetrius is just going to beat this guy. Like, why did he never get to that next level? Especially being considered... I mean, even high... People considered him... A better fighter, pound for pound, than John Jones for a while. Yeah,
1: and you, you could definitely make that argument at one point in time. Um, he he tried. I think he had in his mind sort of a vision of what he wanted to be. And then the the, the longer he was uh, successful, the longer he was a champion, the more he realized what was successful. He saw what made a successful UFC star, you know, among his peers. And I I think that it was kind of a a personal choice of his not to go that route initially being this sort of trash-talking guy. In the cage, you know, he was obviously an amazing technician, and a lot of his early title defenses weren't like these crazy finishes. He started putting the crazy finishes together later in in his title reign, and that's when he got a little more critical mass. He also tried to talk out a lot more, and you know, to, to be more, to have more personality. He started cursing a lot more. I remember that. I remember that very clearly. In terms of like his personality, kind of changing a little bit, getting a little bit more outgoing, getting a little bit more outspoken and opinionated. Uh, took a lot of opportunities with his media platforms to, to make that happen. But you know, it's hard to break uh, this trend. You know, the, the the sad fact is that a, a certain amount of the population. Are just not going to be interested in the, in the smaller guys. They want to see big knock, big guys knocking each other out, slugging the way. Demetrius was never that. He was a a really classy guy, a technician, um, and a master at his craft. Who was a pretty humble guy. Who for a long time wanted to work at Costco after he retired.
0: This division, to be A.K. and you'd probably get this reference. The flyweight division is like the Intercontinental Championship division in the old school WWE. Like never it was it was never really like the headliner like it could have been on like specific cards like on the B show it's a headliner but the best te- technical fighters you get the best actual like wrestling matches for the intercontinental title and i feel like you get that here with the flyweight division you're not going to get knockouts every single time but in, in terms of like good solid fights you're going to get that 95% of the time in the flyweight division is is that a kind of an accurate comparison would you say it's the
2: workhorse division brother
0: yeah
1: you gotta
2: you gotta get a couple of good hands in there in fact that you know they might that might not be why the crowd is there but that's why the crowd's gonna go home happy uh sorry i snapped into a weird (laughs) mode there um No, I uh, I somewhat agree, though I will say the Intercontinental title, if we're talking about it, had a little more prestige. And if you had the right person at the top of that division, you could, like you said, have it have it uh, main event, certain shows and things like that. We're talking really, really old school. People watching wrestling today definitely don't hold those uh, secondary pro wrestling titles in the same regard. Uh, but again, it's kind of like what, what we've been saying this whole time. That could happen for, for the flyweight division as well, bantamweight division, whatever division you want to name, uh, women's, uh, well, not women's, uh, strawweight, I don't know, whatever division you want to name that people say say, oh, this division doesn't draw, like inherently. There's no such thing as a division that doesn't draw inherently. You get the right people at the top, you get the right feuds, and you can have a two to three year stretch where, where that's the hottest of it, it. It happened with Featherweight after McGregor, and some of that's still carried over. It's still highly regarded as a very strong division, but it does take that first sort of burst of star power to get people there, and, and sometimes it never comes
0: it seems like they're investing in the division a little bit more you bring in guys like Manel cape and steining some different guys so there's gonna be a lot of fun fights coming up in this division over the next several months the point goes to alex kayley our defending champion. we move to our next question sticking with abu dhabi and fight island so far there's been three events fourth coming up on saturday ak we're going to start with you what would you grade the Fight Island experience at this point following UFC 251, UFC on ESPN 13, and UFC Fight Island 2?
2: Uh, I, you know, I have... Can you, sorry, guys, can you hear me?
0: Yes. <laughs> Should we try this again? Steven? <laughs> Looks like AK's having some, uh, some tactical issues. Steven, would you like to take that question? Uh, yeah, so,
1: I mean, I, first of all, like, Let's be clear, we, we haven't gotten the full flight island experience because we're not at Guillermo Cruz, sitting in a lovely air-conditioned suite, probably eating grapes, uh, taking uh, Formula One cars around the track with UFC ring car girls. So we don't have the full experience. Um, but so far, you know, I love the early starts. I'll say that. The early starts and the relatively uh, early finishes in terms of timing. Um I also feel like to sort of look at the whole uh, in terms of success, you have to look at what it was originally created for, which is sort of like respite against COVID. And um, I definitely had a lot of me and a lot of my colleagues had a lot of criticism about how they were running the shows in, in Jacksonville. They'd, they they did as as good as they could, but there were a lot of you know shortfalls to their to their protocols and the way they enforced them. And in Flight Island. They seem to have created this closed system, which is, from what all the experts are saying, what you need to really conduct a safe show. So my answer is kind of skewed towards the public health uh, aspect of everything, which I feel they're doing a relatively good job. But we haven't seen exactly; we don't have the kind of access where we can check everything that they're doing, every measure that they're taking. Um, but but they they seem to be taking every every measure possible to make sure they uh, these athletes are health uh, health make sure these athletes health and safety is protected uh, in and out of the arena around the, around the, the fight area in the hotel. So uh, that's a good thing. Um, and that way I'd have to uh, rate it probably an, an A minus, you know, B plus uh, in terms of uh, when you consider what they're doing health and safety wise with the fights themselves, which have been, you know, they're, 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 they've been some, they've been some slow cards and you know, we had a couple of slow preliminary cards, you know, a couple of slow main cards, um, but we've also had some great fights as well. So I'd say B plus, A minus.
0: All right, AK. Are you as generous? B plus, A minus? Higher, lower? Where are you at? He was so enthralled by Steve Morocco's answer <laughs> that he's speechless. He's got nothing to say. AK, you with us?
2: I am. I believe so. Yeah, I believe I'm here. Okay. Uh, I'm getting getting definitely getting some hiccups.
0: All right. I think you're kind of moving now. So Uh, yeah, Steven Steven Stephen went for you. He went first. Yeah. Do I win this uh, by default I, since he technically yeah. failed to you, answer you the might, 10 you counts? You might. I
1: am, like if I'm, I'm like we around. can count him out like we did 10 counts and he's no, out of the uh, round. This is a knockout technically. TKO. I'm
2: Yuel Romero. They're, they're still wiping some of the grease and stuff off me uh, or the water. So they spilled the water. They spilled the ice bucket. Sorry, they got to kill clean. The, you know how it is. I'm trying to come out as fast as I can. I swear. I swear. I'm trying yeah. to come out of the corner. All
0: right. I think you're good now. So We'll uh, see. Do you need Talk. the question
2: again? Cyber-witch. No, no, no. Uh, I, I, Mike, I have to go a, a begrudging A begrudging A grade. Uh, and I say that because uh, all jokes aside with the whole, okay, oh, MMA media trying to shut down these advanced web lights, you know, whatever. We've made all the jokes about it. W- look, we were always con- and I'm speaking broadly about the media, of course, people have different opinions. What we were concerned about, as Stephen mentioned, was, was the health stuff. That's all we wanted to know. We wanted questions answered about health protocol, questions that were repeatedly dodged uh, uh, you know, you can look back on the history of Dana White's interviews regarding this topic. Let's not forget our, our colleague Mark Ramondi. It's uh, a legitimate question, of course, and he was bo- he was both uh, dismissed by Dana White and booed by the crowd uh, when that question was first asked. And fast forward to now, look how look how appreciative that was. So we just wanted to know that there were protocol. And that there were things being done. Now, is it perfect? Again, we don't know. Uh, we're not we're not on the ground like 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 Jeremy is, uh, and some other, and some of the media members in Abu Dhabi. But the fact that they've at least made public, you know, um, what they've been th- trying to do in Las Vegas, what they've been trying to do in Abu Dhabi, that's a good thing. That's a step forward. It's it's it allows I think us who people, uh, fans, and us in the media. Who want to watch these events and enjoy them? To do so with uh, somewhat less guilt, uh, I guess, for lack of a better word. So, uh, yeah, I give a strong A, if only because I think the events have been entertaining. I think the storylines coming out of them have been good. I think they've been putting the showcase on on, on fighters that need it. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I with a with a you know a few a few caveats, an A to uh, the UFC, especially the staff and and all the people um, putting in all the hard work and the fighters and coaches to make these things happen.
0: Stephen A.K. dropped the P word. Perfect. Which nothing is perfect. Nothing will ever be perfect. But let's just look at the slate that we've seen so far. We've seen four world title fights. We got two brand new champions, seen some great matchups, some big performances. And might I add, which may be the most important thing, some potential stars are being groomed during these cards. But there is always room for an improve- for improvement. So what could they do better with the structure, how things are in place the next time they, they go back to Abu Dhabi, which looks like it will very likely happen from a viewership perspective? Because obviously we're not there right now, so we can't get the X's and O's of everything on the island. But just from a viewer perspective, what can they do better?
1: Um, that's a good question. I'm, I mean, they're pretty much running the same playbook that they've always run just without an audience. It's they have a very well-oiled machine, and they have uh, the new format in terms of like how they introduce the fighters, the fighter promos, how they roll everything out. Uh, you know, I guess if I could uh, say something that I've always felt that something that I feel like has never really changed is they keep playing the same ads over and over again. You know, and it's like I want to kill myself after listening to the same ad for for three hours straight. Um, but in terms of the presentation, I think they're kind of, you know, running the same play card. Uh, there's a whole lot more they can do. I think they're maximizing what they have, which is, a uh, obviously an extreme circumstance. Uh, they can't, uh, they can't have the fans as sort of the, the third, uh, person, you know, sort of hanging over the cage and the, the third personality that gives so much character to a live fight. So, um, I don't know. I, I'm not sure there's there's so much they can do other than to uh, help us, you know, people actually who have to sit down and, and watch this for eight hours at a clip. What do you think? What do you think, KK?
2: Just watch me now. Oh, oh, <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Oh, my you know, that's what we get. I
1: now out. get your strategy, which is just basically to to like sing or do something <laughs> yeah. silly yeah. to a serious answer. Stephen, people are watching. Can just Sorry. Dance. Yeah, Come on, go dance. on. Do your do you, do do dance. dance. Camera. that's <laughs> yeah
2: uh, how can you not love that commercial I, I, after seeing it like 50 million times uh yeah it's 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 hard to say like Stephen said it's hard to say what you could improve uh, besides stuff that's general improvements but specifically uh for these fight island events less is more and I kind of would like to see them uh be less inclined to try and uh fill in some of these fights when they follow I think they only did it a couple of times but I was surprised when some of the fights kind of fell out and they're like oh well to great we got this guy on six days notice to come in Look, I'm all for, of course, I know fighters want opportunities, fighters want to stay in the cards, but I think there's other ways to rebook people when they have an opponent fall out, as opposed to creating this mad scramble. Uh, Dana White, again, said uh, in a pre- previous interview how hard it would be to find replacements. So I thought, you know, if any fights fell out in Fight Island, that's why they booked 13, 14 fights for most of the cards. Uh, but no, they've, they've got out of their way to keep the keep these fights intact, which is, again, great for the fighters. I don't know how great it is for the viewing experience and also for the quality of, of some of the fights, unless people just want to see someone get finished, but that's not always the best thing. Um, so I would say a little less is more, be willing to let some of these things go, and uh, we don't need 15 fight uh, cards like we're having in a few days.
1: What 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 AK? I want to expand on what uh, one thing that AK said, which is that uh, this, this is something that you actually called a while ago, which is that we may not be getting the best fights. I mean, considering what these guys have been up against, we are probably not getting the best version of a lot of them because of the circumstances that they've had to face while they're training for the, these events. It's it's far from ideal. I think people are making the best of it. And considering what they're facing, it seems like they're putting on good performances. But this whole enterprise, this whole series of events, you know, putting on getting back to business uh, in this really uh, in-ideal uh, environment, that's not that's not a word, but uh, uh, it, it is it's, now. I think, it is now. We're we're getting the best uh, of a of a kind of a less than ideal situation. That is more accurate.
0: I would agree. It's it's funny. I was talking to Kama Worthy a few weeks ago, and I, like the small cage. And he said, "Listen, I'm telling you right now, it's nothing to do with the small cage. Just because everyone's coming in on a few weeks' notice, most people are pretty out of shape right now, so they're just going in and exploding, and that's where we're getting the performances that we have." But. Uh, In the end, AK, you could sing all the songs you want, Grammy (laughs) Award winning songs. You can dance. You could do a do a somersault right now if you want or or cartwheel. That's what I was looking for. But the point is going to go to there's no real surprise here. Steve Morocco, I just get your Internet just was so bad that didn't really matter. (laughs) Do you want another
2: (laughs) do you want another another Uh, bar of just watch me now? (laughs) <laughs> Just, that, that, that was good.
0: You went from a 10-7 round to a 10-8 round. So how about that? I'm so I, uh, surprised you didn't go the other way. I'm surprised you didn't make it a 10-6 after that. <laughs> yeah, But now the internet is clear. Wow. Er, I don't want to jinx it too much. Let's move ahead to our third topic of discussion. And this has become a big story following Piotr Jan's title win over Jose Aldo UFC 251. And a little hot take here. This has been a bigger story than than Jan winning the title, in my opinion. Because I would say that 98% of people believe that Aljamain Sterling is the next contender to fight for the title. His resume speaks for itself. And in his last fight, he submits Corey Sanhagen in the first round at UFC 250. So most people believe he's the guy. Like, if you talk to 10 MMA fans, probably all 10 of them are going to say Aljamain's the next guy. But there's one guy who doesn't. He's a man who holds a lot of clout in this sport and in the UFC. And that man is Dana White. He's still not ready to say that Aljamain Sterling is the number 1 contender for this title. Alex Kaylee, why why can he not pull the trigger on this?
2: Uh firstly, there this is purely speculation. I have to imagine that there's some behind the scenes stuff whether it's previous negotiations, something that Aljamain did that rubbed Dana the wrong way, but that's really just gossip. that's insubstantial. If we're looking at something more substantial, I think it's also clear. I think what is clear is that he's keeping that door open for either a Henry Cejudo return, or uh, or or Cody Garbrandt. After Cody Garbrandt won that UFC title the first time, uh, he was a made man in Dana White's eyes. They, the UFC and the matchmakers, they love them some Cody Garbrandt, and I understand why. Young guy, uh, marketable, exciting fighter. Uh, so you know when he got that when he got that huge comeback victory, they were immediately like. Boom, we can we can throw him back in the world title picture any time we want. And and they're definitely considering that. Uh, and again, uh, kind of going back to the negotiations thing, having as many challenges as you can lined up is good for the OC and the matchmakers and whoever handles all the all the you know the purses and all that, because now they can, you know, and have these guys negotiate against each other and whoever's the lowest bidder essentially uh, can get the shot. So no, he does not want to put all his eggs in the sterling basket, uh, which is silly, but from a business standpoint, I think we can kind of see why.
0: Steven, we know Dana White. And flip-flops aren't just something he wears on his feet. It's something that happens at every single press conference. There's all these these, cliches in MMA that we say on the show all the time. Like, you can't make sense, MMA. Strike the word deserves from your vocabulary, et cetera. But this is a little bit ridiculous right now. Like, what else does Aljamain Sterling need to do? And why can't Dana White just say the words? He said them before. He said it right after UFC 250. Sterling's the guy. And now, all of a sudden, he's not? What's going on here?
1: Well, I'll drop another uh, MMA cliche. He's in the mix. And, uh, <laughs> how long he's going to be in the mix? Who knows? When does that mix incorporate into the full dish? It's undetermined. But um, the thing about uh, the thing that I was thinking about this, yes, I think it's it's easy to say. Well, he's more outspoken. Um, Dana doesn't like him. He doesn't have the juice behind the scenes that seems to make such a big difference these days, and who gets the opportunities and who doesn't. Um, but the more simple answer is, is is maybe he doesn't have to make the decision right now. You know, maybe he can hang back, uh, let the rest of the year play out. They've got four more pay-per-views left. Um, champions tend to fight less frequently, um, even though Pirien says that he wants to get back in. I'm sure he wants to get back in as soon as possible. He doesn't have to say what he needs to do right now or what he wants to do or what he's going to do. Um, he can sort of, you know, be in the mix for a little while. And this isn't the, like you said, I mean, this isn't the first time he's done this. Um, there could be other factors at play, whether it's somebody coming back, whether it is Cody Garbrandt, whether there's going to be another title eliminator. Um, you know, I would tend to say that, you know, Sterling's style, uh, probably has him cast. Uh, it's, it's hard to break those, those molds, with UFC matchmakers and UFC brass after you've sort of established them. Um, I think of John Fitch, you know, when it comes to like the amount of uh, proving uh, that you need to do to actually get over that hump uh, and and get the title shot. And um, it wouldn't surprise me if there was another title eliminator at play, but it also wouldn't surprise me if this all went for naught. He came back, gets, gets a schedule ready um, for next year. And we find Aljo in a title shot right now. Um, I think they're trying to get through this year and that's probably the the number one priority. And it just might be, um, that he is going to get the title shot and we are itching about nothing. Totally uh, unca- uncharacteristic.
0: <laughs> all right. Okay. Let me ask you this question. And uh, let me preface this by saying that the answer you could answer both guys, and it doesn't really matter. Both guys deserve title shots. Who deserves a title shot next? More Gilbert Burns or Aljamain Sterling? Uh,
2: Aljamain. I'll say Aljamain. Uh, uh, I think I, I think I just want to be consistent with some of the things I've said on our other uh, programming. Uh, as as I think I said, uh, Leon Edwards has much of a claim uh, as Gilbert Burns does to a welterweight title shot. I do kind of want to stand by that. Like I would put Burns a bit above him, but I think Aljo is far and away, is far and away the the top contender in his division. Even taking into account the Marais fight, I know people want to bring that up, but again, that was quite a few fights ago. I think Sterling's on a five fight win streak since then uh something something to that effect and again has just done all the right things as, as far as winning all the fights he's supposed to do. um the ufc already kind of spoiled the maris pool with him winning a friggin' fight against jose aldo and then not getting the title shot so so clearly he's even farther than, than we think he is somehow um so yeah i would i would go sterling over over burns
0: what do you think steven because again both guys deserve title shots of their respective divisions the top guys, in my opinion, either way. But Dana White jumped right out and said Gilbert Burns is next. Gilbert Burns is next. Yeah, deserves I, more.
1: I think, from a sporting perspective, Sterling deserves it, no question. I think that Burns has had a great year, um, but I think that Sterling's strength of uh, what he's what he's been able to put together, how he rebounded from uh, Morais, uh, I, I just and how he just railroaded uh, Corey Sanhagen. Um, I tend to value that a little bit more. Sanhagen was a guy, there was supposed to be this tournament, this four-man tournament, and he took care of his bracket. He should graduate to the finals.
0: AK, true or false? And explain yourself. Piotr Jan's first title defense in the UFC will be against Aljamain Sterling.
2: Oh, do I think? Uh, True, (laughs) true, 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 true. Uh, Justice will prevail. Uh, I think after, again, I think after, at some point after Dana White uh, has brought Aljamain Sterling's value down enough uh, so that uh, he can get that title fight signed for a reasonable amount, then yes, he will he will bite the bullet and acknowledge that Aljamain is the guy to go with. And then, of course, in the lead up to that, you know, White will, well, once the contracts are signed, oh, Aljamain is the greatest. It was never in doubt. I just, like I said, he, he was in the mix. He was in the mix the whole time. I never said he wasn't. You guys, you guys said he wasn't just for headlines. I never said he wasn't. Um, so uh, let's, let's uh, be optimistic here and see Aljo gets it.
1: And I'm going to say false uh, because uh, Uriah Faber and Cody Garbrandt are going to fight a number one contender fight. Oh God!
0: <laughs> oh, Jesus, that's of upsetting. Course. That's yeah. that's MMA. That's 2020, I'm that, right there. I I that to fun. you. Yeah.
1: <laughs> even I'm shaking. I don't it. know if
2: I'm going to win. I don't know if I'm going to win this round. Because, uh, but uh, if I do, I'm definitely rocked going to the last one. I'm just going to say that right now. I'm, I'm <laughs> dazed. He caught, he caught me with one at the end. He, he caught me with one at the end there, Mike.
0: Yeah, you're 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 like Andreas Michalaitis right now, who just got dropped, like twelve elbows dropped upon him and the cage door just opened. That's where you're at right now. So uh no surprise here. Round of the point goes to Steven Morocco. And this is a big one. He can have
1: Final it. Final question of regulation. That was a dirty play. That was a dirty play, Morocco.
0: <laughs> call me, call me
1: Durandamy versus you threw, home.
0: <laughs> yeah. He threw the sand in my eyes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is we, we got some exciting we got an exciting thing to talk about here. This is something we haven't talked about at all on this show since we launched it. At least not like in topic alone. But Bellator is back on Friday night. Bellator 242, the main event is Sergio Pettis versus Ricky Bandejas. Now, this is going to be the first of at least four events scheduled at Mohegan Sun. Looks like it's going to be some more. It's not the sexiest card on earth, but it's still pretty darn good. Aaron Pico on it, Tywan Claxons on it. Jordan Meehan versus Jason Jackson is a banger in the co-main event. But Bellator is returning, Stephen Morocco. We'll start with you. You can talk about the card if you want. You can just talk about the return in general. What excites you the most about Bellator finally coming back and putting on some fights? Well, you know, it's
1: like uh, an old familiar friend. Uh, you know, Bellator's back and you get to see all the people that... Uh, that you know and love and uh, see some fun fights uh, and a lot of up and comers actually, which is kind of um, I, I like the fact that uh, Pettis and Bendejas are getting this, this shine and getting the headliner. It's, it struck me a little bit weird that Bellator put out this press uh, release saying that it was a, a title eliminator when the, the, the belt is vacant. Um, that's, that was a little weird, um, but I've been told that there's a reason for that. uh, And that apparently the uh, title fight or the title will not be vacant for long. So um, I guess they're, they're queuing it up. They're going with who they've got. It could be a scheduling thing. It could be a pandemic thing, who knows. But um, you know, Bellator has a lot of uh, fun fights Uh, they do. uh, And you know, when I look at the card, Jordan Meehan, uh, Taiwan Claxton rebounded uh, very nicely. Uh, Aaron Pico, uh, everybody's favorite prospect. Uh, you know, it's it's going to be one of those uh, fun cards. Rudy Shafroth, who is uh, a bouncer at the world-famous Acropolis in Portland, Oregon. Um, if you're from Portland, Oregon, you know what the Acropolis is. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's uh, – I don't know what else to say. <laughs> 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 it's gonna be it should be fun it's Sergio Pettis's coming out party basically new new promotion he's probably the guy to beat Ben Dehes has looked great uh, at, at times but he's definitely beatable so um I think uh we'd I'd favor Pettis a little bit if he's if he's on his game to take this one and set himself up for a title shot
0: A.K., what do you think? Because again, you know, you look at this car from top to bottom. And as you saw in reports, the original plan was to do Patrick Mix versus Juan Archuleta for this card to headline it for the Bacon title. And that's obviously not happening because Archuleta got hurt. I did speak with Scott Coker last week. He plans on rebooking that fight sometime in September. So like Steven said, there you go. we are going to have a new champion eventually, but Bellator is back. We've been talking about this for a while. When are they going to come back? Now it's here. How do you feel about it?
2: I mean, I'm most excited about the commercials. Uh, much, much like we said with some <laughs> of the, the the UFC broadcasts. Look, I, I miss I miss those sweet, sweet clips of Bar Rescue, uh, Ink Wars, some guy versus some other guy I've never heard of because I'm never going to watch that show. Uh, you know, a cop. Oh no, there's no more, cop no shows more cops. No That's out of the, that's out of the question. But I, I do miss seeing those commercials over and over again for for programming on their own network, which I don't even know. Okay, whatever. Uh, but more seriously. The people that are the fighters that are hurt most by by these long breaks that we had, like because of this pandemic, are are kind of these guys who are lesser known who need to get as many fights as possible every year to, to build their name up. Um, and again, it happens to varying degrees of success, but they, they need every opportunity to pick up wins, pick up highlights, uh, you know, familiarize themselves with the fans. And like we said, guys like uh, Rudy Schaffroth, Steve Mowery, uh, Cass Bell. He's 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 five and zero, oh, all in Bellator. That's a guy you know that they that they they want to get behind. Uh, Pico, of course, Tomo Claxton, uh, Jason Jackson, Ben DeJesus. The, these are these are homegrown uh, essentially Bellator guys and you know, without the opportunity to keep to keep just get in there, get reps, get fighting, and get better, uh, it's been very unfortunate for them. So I'm really excited, like we said, forget about okay, it's it's not the biggest card in terms of star power, but I'm really excited to see these guys get the chance to get back in the cage and, and show what they can
0: It's obvious. And and Steven, I wanna go back to you here. Bellator, beyond their control. Has lost a lot of momentum during this pandemic. The UFC has not stopped. Some other promotions are, are moving on. Titan FC's put put together a few cards. LFA's back. Bellator finally comes back. And they've the reason for this, as Scott Coker explained to me, is they've taken the time to create this infrastructure. They're building what they're calling a fight sphere, which I can't wait to see what that's all about. They've been researching, testing protocols, and they feel like that their system is actually better than the UFC's, according to Scott Coker. So They need to come out here guns blazing and make a big move over these next several. months. that's what most people are thinking. And that's kind of how I feel as well. So what do they need to do to get back to being the Bellator that that left us, that clear cut number two promotion in the world, the Bellator that we've all seen before this pandemic began? What do they need to do?
1: Well, one thing that Scott is really good at doing is uh, like a was talking AK was talking about he's good at sort of developing homegrown talent um, he's good at building talent uh, and making these guys into stars there's a reason why a lot of the strike force guys that he built up went on to be huge stars in the UFC they became big stars they cemented their stardom uh, when they were working through star uh, strike force so um, he's he's good at, at those slow builds um uh, making guys into uh people that fighters that people want to see and um what they basically need to do like any other promoter who's trying to get their product out there is just get the product out get more of the product out i think that the ultimate goal here is is to get back on CBS um eventually and uh work more towards work, work more with Showtime eventually in the future um, sort of build back to where they were uh, in 2010 before the, uh, infamous brawl in uh, Nashville, uh, took them off their game. Um, so, um, yeah, I mean, they have, they went on a, a talent acquisition spree, uh, over the past couple of years, uh, paying for some names that would get people in the door. Um, and I think, um, that's going to continue they're going to they're going to have more guys that become free agents and they're going to be competitive they're going to be able to say hey we can give you fights now um and get these guys in so that you know other people want to watch it's like you get in the door for the guys that are the stars the well known names and you watch the the up and coming guys and that's how everybody gets uh more popular um so i you mean know, i just think it's as simple as, as getting back in business I think they were just more cautious overall than the UFC. Um, they wanted to make sure they had the right protocols in place. Uh, they w- they wanted to wait for the officials. Uh, they wanted to wait for the experts. Um, that was the most important thing for them. You know, they're, they're ultimately uh, part of a, a publicly traded company. Um, they're in a different umbrella. They make different decisions than the than the UFC does. Um, obviously, the UFC is owned by uh, partially owned by Endeavor, but. Um, it's a different set of considerations, I think. Um, so, uh, it's a pretty simple answer. Just get back to business and keep having great fights.
0: AK, what do you think?
2: I mean, as far as like, I, I, I wish, (laughs) look, if fight Island was supposed to be, uh, the Kumite or mortal combat, I wish we could get something special out of fight sphere, fight sphere, uh, fight sphere. Should have been should be like Thunderdome, Mike. It should be like, you know what I mean? We I want I want the stunt riders. I want the, you know, the guys going up the spear right now. I want the flame shooting up. I want master. I want blaster. You know, I want all those guys involved. I want just a little, I wish they could embrace this doesn't just go for Tour. I wish any promotion could just embrace a little bit more of that freak show atmosphere that we all fell in love with so many years ago. So I don't know if there's any plans to do that. I think, uh, you know, look, they're already in majestic Uncasville. So there's not a lot of like, you know, there's not a lot they need to do to gussy this show up. I obviously, I think the broadcast, it's going to look like every other Tour broadcast we've seen before, which is fine, which is great, obviously. And, and without a crowd, but, uh, not just Tour, but if we're speaking to them specifically right now, because the question, yeah, just gussy things up, just take more chances. Um, um and just one quick example when they did the the drawing for the Featherweight tournament that was like the coolest thing I'd seen in so long I'd love more fresh ideas like that I don't know how much that landed with with sort of the more casual fan but for me I thought it was amazing and I hope it caught the eye of a few people and they saw that and said man this is this is a little different I'm going to tune into you know tune into more Bellator shows
0: I'm excited for it you know a little more MMA to cover this is great so final point goes to the champion, Alex.
1: Uh, needed, much needed.
0: To the knockout round. Surprise, surprise to our viewers. So uh, we have one question. Each panelist will have 60 seconds to answer said question. And the beauty of this is they have no idea what this question is. They will be hearing it for the very first time. And then we will go to the truck to our judge, E. Casey Lydon. He will render the final decision. So Alex, since you are the champion, you don't get a belt or prize money, but you do get... Some spoils, one of which you get to choose if you'd like this mystery question first or if you'd like to pass it on to Mr. Morocco to go first.
2: Uh, I will I will take the kickoff. I will take the ball first. And uh, let me just remind the truck how much I love Joseph Benavidez. Uh, Joseph Benavidez <laughs> is great. Uh, just, I just feel like it's worth mentioning. Uh, but please, uh, Michael, go ahead.
0: All right. The first time in the history of the show that the champion has chosen to go first. So Uh-oh. I'm digging this. <laughs> oh, that's not a good sign. And we have a very interesting question to ask you because AK, you got a a little taste of this interesting question on Saturday night on the post show, but I wanted to take that question and broaden things up a little bit. So the question that was posed during the post show was who would you trade from the UFC roster to one to get Demetrius Johnson back to the UFC to challenge Davidson Figueredo. And it was a tough one. We were thinking about different scenarios and it was actually a really good conversation. So, we're going to ask it this way. If you were the UFC commissioner, AK, and we could do a talent swap with another promotion, which fighter would you bring in? And how would you orchestrate this trade fighter of somewhat equal value to send over to them?
2: I really regret saying that I was going to answer this first. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: can, I, can, I, can, I, can I answer the, the, the Mighty Mouse thing? If you want. Yeah, I mean, some people who might not have seen it, and again, I think we've we didn't quite come to a consensus, but I like the idea. I was very much starting with a base of a, of a Page Van Zant sign and trade. Let me finish for people at home who are shutting this off. Let me finish. A Page Van Zandt, Van Zandt sign and trade with Henry Ce contract, which the UFC would still control, uh, and then and then perhaps another fighter to be named later. And then yes, we we would send them over for Demetrius Johnson. I know people say it sounds crazy, but uh, you know the Ben Askren Demetrius Johnson uh, trade on paper looked a little weird at first too, uh, given given their different degrees of sort of success and recognition. But that worked out quite well. Uh, I I do think uh, Paige Van Zant is a fighter that one would value and would love to market uh as much as they love dj as well they, they've very much been behind him but then you've got the sage and page show again just you know over a few a thousand hundred thousand miles away and uh and, and you get some people a fresh shot and so would he want to take a fight for one i think he might entertain the idea if, if the money was right
0: all right steven same question luckily i think you have the advantage here you've had a little extra time to ponder this so we have 60 seconds on the clock ready set let's fight
1: Oh boy, I'm just gonna say um, Nikita Krylov. And why am I saying that? Because who doesn't want Al Capone? I mean, like if you uh, if you have Al Capone in, in one championship, you have you bring back the pageantry, you know that that's been missing in one championship. And uh, you know that guy just every time he comes to fight, he. Uh, you know, he's just such a damn gangster. You just want to watch him. It's, it's totally a fair trade. And I'm really just improvising the last 30 seconds because I have no idea what I'm talking about and don't believe a word I'm saying.
0: Okay. <laughs> so AK is, is sticking with the sign-in trade.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in fairness... It's like it, it's you this is I like it. In, in fairness, it's like, like you said, we actually a little bit advanced because we, we, we did previously discuss this. I actually feel... Uh, worse for being underprepared because I said the question was so good and I was going to take more time to think about it. So I've actually had two days to think about it, and I still clearly could not. <laughs> it, it it is a really good question. I wish you could remember the name uh, of the person who brought that up to us uh, in our in our post game chat because uh, it was such a good question. And I do feel like maybe an article or something. It's it's almost worth an article in the future. So. Uh, hopefully Stephen and I did that question justice but that it's
0: it's a hard one. It's really good. Yeah. no, this did
1: is, not do it justice at all. You did a justice, okay. <laughs>
0: kind of but yeah, I, I expected I expected a little I expected a little more broad uh. like, but and then Stephen went with uh, getting Demetrius Johnson back with a straight up trade for Nikita Kralov to for pageantry purposes for one. Yeah. so sure. we're just trying to be fair to one as well. And I think uh, both trades might be considered who the hell knows, but. Casey, I don't know if you have a tough decision here or not. We go to the judge. What do you, know, you think? You know, <laughs> normally I'm 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 super.
2: Um, this is very um, high intense, you know, high anxiety picking this winner. But
1: <clears throat> to be honest, both these competitors gassed out in the fifth round. It's just it was it was That's bad. Tough. It was. It was, um, yeah, it was uh, it was Kimbo, Houston,
2: Alexander.
0: You know, it was like, what's yeah, around in there? Just yeah. on their knees, staring at each other, going, oh, jeez. Yeah. yeah.
2: There was a big slam early on, but after, fully, I yeah, don't know.
0: Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, man.
2: So, and um, the medics are on the way. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm on the oxygen tank right now. Uh, they've got an oxygen tank for me right now. So.
1: My kidneys are failing.
2: <laughs> so um, I'm collecting the scorecards, and the winner by a... A 9 8 round. <laughs> uh,
1: uh. Because of the bribe at the beginning, um, and still <laughs> the, Can- the Canadian,
0: the bad boy, uh. Alexander
2: Kaylee. I'm not, I'm not, I'm only raising my arms up a little bit to get the belt back around my waist. I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not super proud of that performance. Jose Young's is somewhere out there licking his chops. When he sees this, he'll be licking his chops waiting to uh, pick uh. up the bones of, of one of us. But, uh, you know, Steven, at least we made it out of that round with, with most of our dignity, I think. <sighs> yeah. Round,
0: yeah. Whew.
1: That was a tough one.
0: Wow. It's hard to even answer that in 60 seconds, but I was just like, we have to build upon this. But uh, AK, you know, you know the rules. You are the winner. With that, you get 30 seconds to talk about whatever it is you want to talk about good, bad, and different in the sport of mixed martial arts. Uh,
2: I don't remember if I got a chance to talk about this on the show. I feel like I mentioned before, but people, if you see, this is my, I'm going to go, I was saying, this is my rant against parody accounts, guys. Uh, I know parod- people find parody accounts are funny, and some of them are funny, but there's parody accounts there for journalists. There's many for Arahwani, and now we've seen some for one of our colleagues at Bloody Elbow, Trenton Smith, which is uh, tweeting some truly heinous stuff. Uh, Fred Okamoto has parody accounts, and the fighters, of course, have them. So I just want to tell people if you see a funny message, uh, and, sorry, and the big one this weekend was Davidson Figueiredo. Someone made a Davidson Figueiredo account and some hilarious fake Davidson Figueiredo tweets. And most people couldn't tell the difference because Davidson's actual Twitter account uh, is, is, goes by his nickname, Daiko, I think, I believe. So people didn't know, people don't know it was fake. So people, if you see stuff like that, uh, please don't retweet it, D- don't like uh, propagate it. I know it seems like it's funny to do. Just don't, and please double check, double check if these are real or not. I, I know everything moves so fast in today's media, but uh, I have to rally against fake, uh, fake accounts, especially the ones that are not clearly labeled as parodies. It's just ridiculous. Uh, I think it's hurtful for the fans. I think it's hurtful for the media. It can be very, very hurtful for the fighters. So uh, yeah, just a little more, a little more social media scrutiny, people. And uh, otherwise, of course, have good, good, you know, fun out there. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not the ultimate buzz kill, All right, I'm just a little bit of a buzz killer.
0: All right, Stephen, what would you like to say? We'll give you, give you a little shine as well. Uh, yeah, I guess I would second what AK is saying.
1: I mean, be, try to try to be nice out to to, to, to each other out there. Uh, this is a uh, this is a really tough time. And we're getting real serious right now. It's a really tough time in our nation's sister, right now. And uh, now is uh, more of a time than ever that people are uh, not giving each other the benefit of the doubt. Um, and the online format makes makes that problem even worse, which is the way that people communicate. Uh, I would just you know urge people to think before they tweet. Sometimes, not assume the worst. Uh, try to give people the benefit of the doubt, and uh, maybe we can all get along. You know. Given that we have the same sickness,
2: uh, Steve, Steven and I had to get super real there to uh, distract from that fifth. What happened in that fifth round? This is the uh, post-fight press conference. We're trying to get genera- we're, we're hoping to generate some, some some positive sound bites for the headlines and not uh, not the inevitable hammering that's going to come.
0: This is Garbrandt <laughs> Gar- and Cruz after that fight. This is exactly what the post-fight was like. So. Uh,
1: oh boy. But
0: that being said, this, this is Arnold Schwarzenegger.
1: <laughs> yeah, this is yeah. Arnold Schwarzenegger and Carl Weathers, like, you know. Yeah got to chum it up
0: yeah what a moment but uh another great episode in the books and it looks like uh ak we already have our next challenger lined up for you and i was oh. told that he is guaranteed some quote fiery takes so stay tuned oh, for God. that everybody and uh not who i make think sure. it is who do you think it is might as well okay. just reveal it right now not not jedworth mishu jedworth mishu versus oh, a.k. That's... lee next week on between the legs nothing more needs to be said Truck.
2: I've i i truck I didn't agree to this.
0: <laughs> it's happening. There you go. We're done. Alex Kaylee, thank you, Steve Morocco, thank you for Casey Light in the truck, Estrelland on the graphics and the opening vocals. I am Mike Heck have a great week. Keep it locked on to MMA Fighting and join us every Tuesday morning right here on Between the Links. This has been Between the Links with your host, Mike Heck. Brought to you by MMA Fighting,
1: a production of Vox Media.
0: to the Vox Media
1: Podcast Network.